Creative Connectors, a podcast for curious minds. My name's Vicky Keeler, and I'll be chatting to the makers and creators who aim to connect and inspire through the platform of festivals. We'll be delving into how they show up in the world, why they do what they do, their journey, inspiration, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the chat, because who knows where these conversations are going to go. And if this is your kind of podcast, please subscribe, follow, share with friends, and get involved and give some feedback. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to Kenny Lemire. He is the director of Lucid Space Design. So thanks for coming on and having a chat, Kenny. Yeah, thanks for having me, Vicky. I would love to maybe kickstart our conversation with where your journey began with festivals. Mm. Uh, well, I, I, with festivals in general, I uh, uh, probably started with like the big day out way back in the day when I was maybe 15, I went to my first big day out and um, yeah, that was a bit big eye opener with, with that sort of style of festival and then I guess as I got older, I started clubbing a bit more and then I'd go to more sort of mainstream yeah, electronic events and those sort of festivals. It wasn't until the first Dragon Dreaming that I went to Adolf and that was my first installation at a festival as well. So, Oh, um, nice. So, yeah, first ever festival and you were working at it. Yeah, yeah. And that just kind of opened my eyes a lot and, yeah, haven't looked back since. Given your first festival was obviously you know, creating spaces and doing things at the festival. How did you get into design? How did you discover, oh, I can actually create things at festivals if you hadn't really been to one before? Yeah, so I guess um, me and Will, the other director of Lucid Space, we both studied architecture together. And I think I just finished graduating. He was in final year and um, someone came and did a bamboo workshop at the university and we both did it and then um, from there they were doing an installation at uh, Pete's Ridge Festival mm-hmm. and they asked if anyone wanted to go and help. Will went and helped. He ended up like running the build essentially. So he came back and he was like, oh, this is amazing. We can do stuff like this. Yeah, and then we we ended up, oh, so probably prior to Dragon was Corin Bank Festival, which is kind of more of a folk sort of festival and we did an installation for that and um yeah we just kind of realized I guess working with bamboo is like a fun way to experiment Mm. um try try some structural things and try a bit of a creative outlet outside of our architecture jobs and study and stuff like that and then um yeah I guess yeah, it was a way to get into a festival. We did that with Coronbank and then we were doing an art exhibition uh, installation in Canberra and someone from Dragon Dreaming came up and said, oh, we'd love to have you do something like this at Dragon. We've got this new festival about to start. And yeah, we we did something out there and just kind of that really kind of blew our, blew our minds a bit about what was there and... Um, in terms of like what others had created or what you were allowed to just kind of create? Oh, I guess, I guess the whole vibe of the multi-day and non-stop music and yeah, the, the creative element, I guess Corinbank had a lot of art 
installation as well. Um, so that was a big eye-opener going to that festival and seeing some of the amazing stuff people were doing. Um, and then, yeah, Dragon as well. There was art everywhere. Yeah, so it was really good to see, you know, the interaction that people have with the art directly. Um, mm. And it's, uh, it's such an immediate response interaction as opposed to architecture, which is, you know, you, you're designing a, a building or a structure for a year or more and then it takes that long for it to get built and then, you know, it's, it's, you don't really see the interaction or you get very limited, um, you know, viewing of that interaction, so very limited feedback. Mm. So when doing something for festivals, you know, it's a temporary structure and you get immediate feedback, immediate response. Yeah, so it's it's a good way to try new things and develop ideas and concepts and see whether they work or not and uh, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was just definitely at the start, it was just a, something fun to be able to experiment mm. um, outside of our, you know, office jobs. And uh, then it was also a cool way to get into the festival and not have to pay for one and two, um, be on the inside and see the festival develop. And yeah, nice. Yeah. And were people, like when you first started going to festivals, obviously that workshop with Bamboo was something that really impacted the rest of your career, right, and the direction that you went in. Yeah, definitely. Were there lots of people already utilising that material within festivals and structures for you to take inspiration from or did you feel that you were sort of pioneers in that sense in bringing like all that you could do with bamboo to festivals and were you just doing <clears throat> art installations or more structures albeit i know that those are art but how was your first route in and what were you actually creating at the festivals yeah so i guess there wasn't a lot of this wasn't and still not all that many people using bamboo for festival installations or for any sort of building work really I mean it's definitely growing in popularity and see some amazing amazing structures in Bali and Thailand and um, South America so it's definitely growing in popularity uh, in terms of festival installation stuff there, there's only sort of a handful of people around the world that that using bamboo in this, in this sense. Um, yeah, so I guess the first one we did at Corinbank, it was quite a structural thing. It was kind of like a big canopy um, mm -hmm. tree, lots of tree-like scalloping with the, with the canopy over the top. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely challenging. We spent the whole festival building it. <laughs> um, so it was like creating it on the fly as we went. Um, and then we left it up and a couple ended up getting married under it a month oh, or nice. two later, which was really quite nice. Yeah. So I, I guess most of what we do has a structural component to it. And yeah, I guess, I guess you know, very artistic, but also, yeah, definitely utilize a structural element. And um, bamboo is a more sustainable material, right, to use. So do you think that's 
potentially what's supporting that increase of more people being interested in it now in trying to obviously make festivals and, you know, hopefully beyond more sustainable in terms of those structures? Yeah, for sure. That, that was definitely one of our driving, driving factors behind utilizing it and its versatility. Um, you know, you can use it as a straight pole, you can bend it, you can split it, make really cool curves, you know, so that the versatility of it is, is great. It's light, you know, you can do really long spans with something that's quite light. That's how we started off. We were really vigilant in the materials that we use. We only use natural materials. We use jute, fiber, sisal lashings, calico, and different fabrics that were sort of natural cotton fabrics and stuff at, at the start. Um, that's, that's now changed a bit um, because although they were natural and sustainable in that sense, we were having to throw a lot of stuff away because they couldn't be reused as well. They'd expand mm -hmm. and um, contract so your joints would, wouldn't stay tight if it was a long event that sort of stuff. So now we use polypropylene ropes or polyester ropes, but we reuse them over and over and over again. So that's definitely, sustainability has always been at the driving, like at the center of what we do. Um, and I think that's also representative throughout the world in what's driving that, that market force towards the use of bamboo being a really renewable and sustainable material. Um, you don't have to kill the plant to harvest poles. Poles become mature in three to five years. So yeah, in that sense, it's, um, you know, it's a really sustainable crop, really sustainable alternative to timber. Um, yeah, so hopefully, I mean, as timber prices are getting, you know, steeper and steeper, we get more and more people turning to bamboo, so. And was sustainability something that you and Will kind of united on from the outset like how did you guys become partners because I know you're equal partners in the business and you've done everything together so yeah what formulated that partnership you were both obviously into architecture and studying at the same time but was that a connection for you guys that solidified the partnership yeah I think so um at uni we both definitely had similar ideologies in terms of sustainability and and all that sort of stuff and um we yeah, did a bunch of projects together and we lived together and we've lived together in, at multiple points throughout our, our lives. Um, yeah, so I, I think we, we've just naturally got along. We both like to party. We both like to build stuff as well as design stuff. Um, so there's, there's that crossover of, you know, practical as well as the creative. Yeah, so it's just kind of over the time we, we've got used to how each other work and um, we know where where we can step in and we know you know we we call it call it as we see it amongst amongst ourselves so it's good we can uh, yeah got a good working relationship with your creative process obviously there is two of you so do yep. you have different skills that you bring to it or do you both work in a similar type of way like what's the creative process that you go through when you are designing something for a festival uh it's kind of different each time but i guess um it depends on what the festival's after like some festivals come with a concept that they want you to 
turn into something. Um, some just say provide us with the concept or multiple concepts and we'll pick one. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it, it just depends and it depends whether Will or I have some concepts already in our mind. Sometimes we'll both come up with something and we'll, you know, talk amongst ourselves the pros and cons and if we're both feeling that they're both valid concepts and we'll share that with the client. Um, otherwise, if we if we decide amongst ourselves, oh no, that, that's the one to go with, um, we'll go with that. I think we both work slightly differently. Um, like I think Will's really creative, like left field creative. Um, he comes up with some really whacked out um, <laughs> ideas and concepts and and he makes them work. Um, I'm probably a little bit more structural based or um, I find it good if someone gives me a concept to then push forward with. Um, I'm probably better at realizing someone else's idea whereas Will's probably better at that immaculate conception of that creative thought. Yeah, so that's probably the, the main difference between how we how we design or create stuff. Um, but yeah. And is the process quite long? Or, do, I mean, obviously that can vary with the size of the build that you're doing, but what's the sort of lead time that you would w normally work to? Yeah, obviously it, it depends on the, the size of the project and what other stuff we've got going on be nice six months ahead of time but um, you know I guess at the moment we're still designing for RNI which is at the end of or the start of September and we haven't started designing stuff for say Boho or or Relish or stuff like that which is sort of end of November or October November so yeah I mean things can go pretty quickly uh, especially now like that we're more experienced and kind of know how things go together a lot better. Um, we're getting pretty efficient in coming up with a concept and knowing that, that how that's going to kind of go together as we design. Um, I guess when we were first starting out, we'd come up with a concept, then we'd have to like build the model to make sure that it could work and then change it because things might not have worked and whereas I think now we're a little bit better at knowing what does and doesn't work. And are you quite hands-on? Only I only ask this because my brother's actually an architect. He couldn't build shit. Like he's like <laughs> he sits in an office and designing, I don't know, corporate buildings and stuff like yeah, that. Like yeah. they're great. Yeah. When it comes to festivals, I imagine you can't just be the sort of architect where you create a design. I mean you could be. That's why I'm asking the question, but yeah, you strike no, we, me as somebody who's very hands on. We're definitely hands on, yeah. And um that's that's the part that I think we both like the most and I think that's what we get how we get along so well because yeah we both love making stuff mm. um, even in our architecture jobs we run workshops and um, our architecture is natural building focused so we run draw workshops and cob workshops and um, work a lot with owner builders and do parts of the builds with them so, yeah, we're definitely hands-on in, in everything that we do. Yeah, um, nice. And where did you learn those skills? Did you have 
any mentors or did you have any influences from family or where did you go to, I guess, acquire that knowledge to help you with all these different types of sustainable practices? Yeah, I guess um, we've attended a few workshops and we'll spend a year working on a permaculture natural building farm, a center in Thailand for a year with his ex-partner. And so he learned a lot there. Will's old boss had a PhD in like compressed earth blocks and, and mud bricks. So he passed on a lot of information to Will and I was living with Will at the time and we were doing projects together. So yeah, I guess, you know, Will's probably been the, the lead in a lot of that sort of stuff. And then I've, I've picked it up through him and through working together and um, reading a lot of books, go to a lot of workshops. Yeah, just kind of learn by doing really, uh, experiment. Nice. And uh, yeah. would you say there's like a, a keen interest or an increasing interest in these different types of practices, like not just in a festival sense, but also in a broader architectural build sense? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard for us to know. Like, I guess it's, it's quite a, a niche market that that we put out have put ourselves in. Um, and we, we have a sort of fairly constant flow of work, but it, and most of that's word of mouth. But I know, like, outside of that, it's kind of hard to hard to tell. I mean, from what I see, yeah, it's it's a it's a growing there's growing interest, um, but how much that actually is as a percentage of the market, it's hard to tell. Um, I like for sure environmental sustainability is at the forefront of everything at the moment. Um, so looking at, at alternative uh, materials and products that are, have a low embodied energy and and all those sort of things are, you know, of course, I, I would imagine gaining, gaining popularity. What would you like to see more of at festivals? Like, do you want to see more sustainability? Do you think that that has seen a big shift over the years that you have been working with festivals? A little bit. There, there's been a little bit more. I'd definitely like to see more. I feel like there is a lot of wastage. Um, a lot of there's there's a few you know sort of decor teams and and whatnot that do a lot of single use stuff, plastic waste stuff. I see a lot of yeah. There, there's a lot of waste in festivals, uh, both by the by the punters and as well by the people that that put them on um so but but it is changing it's definitely getting better uh, festivals are a lot more conscious of it especially from a marketing perspective you know there was the big fallout from lost paradise and um a few years ago with the that viral video of the um the campsite after the festival and i think you know um a lot of the bigger Falls festivals and those sort of things there it's that they're, they're trying um it's still a long way to go um and i think there's there's certain reasons for some of those festivals having those sort of campsites left the way they are but uh yeah i think within the festivals i think you know it's, it's getting getting better i think it could definitely get a lot better 
we like to sort of, I guess, lead by example. Well, that's, that's what I like to do. Um, we definitely try and make sure that our sites are left as, as, we, as we arrived, leave no trace. I like the Burning Man principles, so I try to try and live those as much as possible. <laughs> and so has Burning Man and festivals like that been a kind of key influence in your journey and what you create and I guess, yeah, the values that you abide by and what you present at festivals? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Burning Man was a big eye-opener, turning point in my life. Um, I went to my first burn was 2011, I think. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I saw some, you know, large-scale art, large-scale bamboo. So it really kind of opened my eyes to what was possible. Um, and then, yeah, the, the principles to, you know, I think the, the 10 principles that they put forth are, are really valid. And um, the way that they promote that amongst the people that, that attend, um, I think is really good. The way that they self-regulate that, I think is really good too. Of course, you know, there's still some sites that are that are horrible, but they have an accountability type thing where, you know, you get red flagged if your campsite's left in a mess and you don't, you can't go back or you get pushed further away, you know. <laughs> so there, there's, I guess, penalties for, for those sort of things, which I think festivals can, in general, can can look towards. Um, I think the leave no trace uh, motto and ideology is a good one. Um, if you can bring it in, you can take it out. But in that said, I, I also know that it's hard to find places to, to dump your rubbish um, when you get out, you know, where, where do you go? Um, so you don't want to then put that burden on the next town, you know, mm, you go yeah, there the local and all, community. The, the local community, you go to the local park and all their bins are overflowing with people's festival rubbish. And, um, I mean, you do see that on the way out of Burning Man, a lot of, you know, rubbish on the side of the road and where, where people dump it because they're not accountable anymore, you know, which is a bit sad to see. And that's definitely not in the spirit of things. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Like people always try and get away with whatever they can get away with, unfortunately. Um, well, that's it. It's all you can do is keep trying to instill that education and yeah, sure. hope that it's going to resonate and that, yeah, like you say, lead by example, because if you're leading by example and you maybe see somebody who is, you know, not abiding by the rules or the values, like pulling that person up on it is also an accountability piece, right? Because often yeah. we stop ourselves from doing things by another human calling us out versus it just being a message and then us being able to be like, ah, oh, I know I've been told to do that, but yeah, I'm still exactly. going to do it anyway, you know? Yeah, and I think that, that, that's it. that is a huge thing. I think, you know, at a festival, if you see someone doing something that's, you know, not on, like, call them out for it mm. don't don't let them do something that's you know don't let them hurt someone else don't let them throw rubbish on the ground like pick it up give it back to them so, oh mate yeah. you just drop something 
<laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, it will, it really will stick with someone more when they're called out about it because they have to then yeah. sit in a feeling of a bit of guilt. Yeah, and yeah. that's gonna not, that's gonna feel uncomfortable. And yeah. when you feel uncomfortable, that's probably gonna encourage somebody, hopefully, to then think twice about doing it again. Whereas if they're not called out on it, they don't really have the like the con the actual consequence, yeah, like facing them. Um, when it comes to projects, I know you've got you and Will and you come up with ideas and you pitch it. Do you often collaborate with artists or other people to help bring visions to life? Like, yeah, the, yeah. Sure. what are the different ways that you work? Yeah, I definitely think like we like to consider ourselves a, a collaborative group. Um, you know, I guess we've had a pretty, pretty core crew for a while now of, you know, four or five people um but over the over the course of our time there's definitely been lots of people come and go and um a lot of those have gone on to start doing their own stuff which is which is great to see um so yeah we we definitely like to collaborate um with painters and uh, people that do rope weaving rope netting um shade sale people um other decor artists yeah that yeah i think it's a it's a beautiful way to make a project better is to and, and even within our crew that don't even consider themselves artists giving them that that push or that um the, the feeling that it's okay to try something and um i like people to be able to voice their ideas and their concerns in the group um we might not always take it on board, but I want them to know that they're heard. And yeah, because cause we, we come up with concepts and ways of doing things. They might not always be the best way. If someone else can come up with a better way, then that that's good. Um, if we have time to sit and work it out, you know, if not, like sometimes we're just like, no, nah, just, we're just doing this and that that's, that's good. But definitely we like to collaborate yeah, aces in their places, you know, we can't do everything, we're not the best at doing everything, so um, if we feel that there's a way to bring someone else in that's going to make our our idea or our project better, then we'll, we'll do that for sure. Have there been any lessons along the way, like for you, was it quite a transition moving into working with teams and things like that, or have there been any other parts of the journey that you found surprising or challenging mm. yeah and I personally I, I find it hard to kind of let go of things a little bit um, I guess we're, we're transitioning now to stepping back a little bit from the build build process uh, Will and I both have families now so our, our partners can't always We've got kids in school now, so it's, you know, our partners can't always make it and come. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's letting go and letting letting our design be built by, by other people. And, yeah, our crew are stepping up and they're, they're doing a great job. So that, that's that's good. Yeah, nice. Well, it's great to hear uh -huh. that you're obviously passing on guidance as well and other yeah. people are learning from you guys and then wanting to share that further. Yeah, so beyond the challenges, what have been some of the highlights? Surely there's been a few great things along the journey with Will. <laughs> uh, geez, highlights. 
think they're all all highlights really um yeah i don't know um yeah i, I, I just love each each project is is unique and in, in its own um sometimes the the more challenges you have the the greater the reward um is there anything that you'd really love to do that you've not done yet we haven't built anything overseas um mm -hmm. so it would be nice to go to yeah some festivals overseas and, and build stuff i've had a couple of concepts for for bunny man over the years that i've almost submitted um uh, and haven't oh you've so. not even submitted them <laughs> they're still sat on the paper <laughs> yeah yeah what yeah. stops you from submitting them uh basically just the the logistics and the timing to be able to go over there you know that that's the biggest thing and it's kind of becoming harder and harder now with with the families and the kids to be able to get away and you know it's a big you know big journey big commitment to to go overseas to do that sort of stuff now so um no yeah. baby burners <laughs> yeah i mean we'll see i mean yeah uh, my, my kids have been a burning seed since they were months old so um they, they definitely love it and they, they love festivals yeah we'll see do you think that they will follow in your footsteps are they kind of builders are they interested in like the sustainable practices that sort of thing oh yeah they love it yeah for sure it was so funny during the um the lockdown obviously there was no festivals and um my my elder she's five um and she would she would be planning festivals in the backyard and building festivals in the backyard <laughs> and yeah nice. she, she she loved it my, my youngest she was three so when she was only sort of one when the lockdowns started so she'd been to a bunch of festivals but she couldn't really remember like like Madagi could so it was um yeah it's it pretty pretty cute to see her she's constantly yeah planning festivals and you know mini, mini director in the making then maybe yeah yeah <laughs> she loves to build stuff and loves to dance and loves they since, since lockdown's finished you know they've been to a couple of festivals and yeah they just you can see the, the first day they're a bit wow a bit overwhelmed and then by you know second day they're just right into it and same as adults right exactly exactly <laughs> bit, yeah. bit overwhelmed when you first get there yeah, and then you're like yeah. oh yeah i know how this works i'm getting into my swing <laughs> yeah and it's so good because they, they know everyone like from being on the build too they just they know everyone and feel comfortable it's uh it's been such a nice way to bring bring kids up in that festival scene um you know it's a real community and um yeah it's real supportive you know they've got mm but such a, a big support group when we're, when we're there on site. It's definitely been very challenging at times for Kimberley, um, you know, managing kids on site with limited resources and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it's also been very rewarding and fun adventure. Mm. <laughs> on that, what do you think is the kind of benefits of kids going to festivals? Like, cause you know, some people are, 
on the fence about it. I've got mates who love festivals and haven't taken their kids to them yet. I've got others that have taken their kids to them. Like, why do you think it's important um, for festivals to exist first and foremost, but also why they're beneficial for kids? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think it's good to have both, like festivals that you take kids to and festivals that you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's like, definitely some that you might not take kids to. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even just as as a parent, it's it's great to be able to get away and enjoy the freedom that a festival brings. Um, but in saying that, it's hugely advantageous, I think, for kids to see adults having fun, like at mm. festivals. Like I think festivals are a place where um, grown-ups can act like kids um you know they dress up and they dance and they do crazy stuff and they they're not restrained by society as they are generally so um i think that it's it's really nice for kids to be able to see their parents and other grown-ups behaving like that and and just having fun and laughing and dancing and doing all those things that i'm sure they don't generally get to see grown-ups doing Mm. And maybe even a sense of community, right? In a different way yeah. that they might experience beyond just their family. Yeah, definitely. And also just like, especially with doofs and stuff like the bush, because, you know, mm. it's um, some kids don't like that live in the city. They don't get to go camping and they don't get to go out into the bush. And so, um, you know, having having the festival in that setting it's it's a nice connection back to nature Mm. same for adults again (laughs) yeah 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 exactly i bet you a lot that go to festivals right and might not be campers but that's that's their kind of like weekend in the year where they're really connecting with nature yeah 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 and i think that's definitely more so felt from my own personal experience with australia you know Mm. i'm when I was in the UK, festivals, as much as you're in a field and there might be trees around you, there's just not that, I don't know, it's it's not instilled in you as part of the festival. Yeah, Definitely yeah. it might be in some places now, but yeah. I think when I personally was growing up and going from to festivals from the age of like 17, yeah, there was less of that, A, sustainability awareness anyway because i think just broadly the world was not as educated back then yeah but also just yeah there's something about australian nature for me i don't know if it feels more magical because i didn't grow up here but there is something about the connection to land when you're there maybe it's because of the harsher elements and you have to feel like you've got to survive a bit more and yeah but yeah yeah, there's something different about australian duffs and and what they create especially the multi-day festivals i I maybe can't say the same for your shorter events your one dayers and stuff like that yeah yeah and i think that's like um you know just the term bush duff you know it's Mm. it's about getting out in the bush and just duffing about it's uh you know it's uh it's a very emotive term in itself, I feel. Um, and it's definitely changed for me, you know, it's, it's a big day out. It's definitely aren't, there's no connection to nature there. Uh, no connection <laughs> to nature there. Um, but, uh, yeah, when you're in a forest surrounded by, you know, bush, it's, it's a totally different experience. 
for sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if someone could potentially like transform those one day events to being more like a duff environment because i know that for a a one day event and i'm thinking on the fly here one day events are generally trying to be more central because it means more people can get to it and then get home versus like driving there and back but surely there's spaces where you can start to create that a bit more yeah potentially yeah yeah and I, i think it also helps to have more more art and more sort of natural mm. art and and those sort of things at, at those one day events. Um, you know, often they're just a big big trust style main stage. Um, you know, they're they're quick to you know a lot a lot of the the single day events are travelling as well, so it's mm. a bit harder. Um, but you can probably have local artists to do installation art. Um, and then you have the traveling component, um, cause I think art is, is definitely a way, a good way that you can bring that sense of place and sustainability to the forefront, you know, um, if you set that as a theme, you know. Well, it also takes away and in a positive way, I think from the focus always being on the music and on a stage because it encourages people like this is an experience more than just you facing one direction and enjoying that. It's like you can still potentially hear that and enjoy it, but be interacting with something else and learn something different or feel something different or meet somebody new or yeah, just interact in the world in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I, I like that. At, At Burning Man, um, was blown away uh i forget the name of the um the camp but they had this huge big stage set up they had all performers and dancers and stuff and the dj was just like a small little booth off to the side you know they had some huge djs playing but the focus wasn't on the dj and Mm. i I was blown away by that i thought that was great because you know they the dj doesn't have to be the spectacle they don't need that you know, they shouldn't need that, that limelight. Um, you know, when you've got visual performers, you know, their, their art isn't visual, you know, to have visual performers taking that visual space, I think is great. Um, cause people are appreciating the music that they're, they're dancing. They get that, you know, gratification. They don't need the eyes on them too, because they're generally not that much to look at. Uh, well they're not moving they're not often moving well well, that's right you know they're they're doing their thing they're concentrating on what they're doing you know they might do a you know a couple of fist pumps and stuff but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah on that have you noticed the investment in art and architecture shifting over the time that you've been working with festivals yeah there's definitely more definitely more uh, more funding going to to the creative side of things and I think because there's more festivals and there's um, more access to the music I think festivals have to do more to set themselves apart from the next festival um, because you get a headliner out say you know chances are they're going to do other other gigs and if yours 
you know, um, yeah, I, I think they just, festivals now understand that they need to do more than just provide music if they want to get, you know, set themselves apart from other other festivals because they're, they're all doing it. So um, you see that even with the mainstream ones now, like they're all starting to do creative shade sales and um, have workshop spaces and other sideshow stuff that, you know, they, they definitely didn't do before, mm. um, which is which is good to see. Mm. The multi-day festivals are often, I guess, the pioneers of what then becomes the mainstream, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you got to see that it's happening there and see that it works and that people like it in the, shall we say, alternative space, yeah. you know, in broad yeah. term. But yeah. then once people realise, oh, punters like that and punters want to keep coming back for that and punters are willing to pay for that, that's kind of almost when I think the mainstream presenters and providers start to go, oh, well, there's more that we could potentially do here because we can see it's working somewhere else. Yeah, I think it's also that the promoters and um, people putting on festivals are travelling mm. to to events and seeing what's happening at Burning Man, seeing what's happening at Shambhala and Boom and, and these, you know, huge festivals overseas that have got huge headline acts, but they're, you know, also have all this amazing creative art and, um, you know, there's, yeah, I, I think that they understand that they, they can step it up. They don't, you know, that their budget can be not all on the music and people will still come, mm. um, or that can be spread a little bit more evenly. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And so for anybody who would be thinking about going into the build side of festivals, what would be some of your key lessons and learnings from along the way or any wise pieces of advice? <laughs> um, yeah, just just get into it. Uh, be enthusiastic. Listen, learn, take, you know, take it all in. Um, but, yeah, just... It's a lot of hard work. Um, a lot of people don't realise how much hard work it is. Uh, it's usually the weather usually decides to pour rain during the build. <laughs> um, you know, the, it's usually long days, um, but there's a lot. They're a lot of fun. Um, you know, that's it's part and parcel of it. With uh, you know, with with hard work comes good results, I guess. Um, yeah, exactly. Great reward. But, uh, that's it. So, uh, I, I think it's, uh, don't, don't be afraid to try stuff and, you know, start small and, and, and build yourself up. Um, jump on other crews, uh, volunteer, you know, so you get, that's, it's a great way to get, get a foot in the door is to volunteer on someone else's crew and, um, you know, show, show what you can do. And yeah, uh, it's a, it's a very supportive community. I feel, um, mm. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really feel competitive amongst 
like other people building, designing stages, you know, it's more supportive than competitive, I feel. So if you've got ideas, put them out there and if they're good, they'll get taken up. Um, you know, even if it's just something small and then you can, yeah, ask for help and people often often give you the help. Yeah, nice. And was a lot of your business coming from just outreach, just being proactive, like say, whether it's, I mean, you didn't volunteer, you were kind of working at your first kind of multi-day festival, but yeah, for yeah, you, I'm, was I, it just outreach? Like how have you built that business? Because I think sometimes people might be creative and be like, oh, I've got this idea, but they don't really know how to, I guess, bring that to fruition or like who to go to, how to navigate that space. Yeah, I mean, Will's first venture into it at Peter Ridge was volunteer. Um, that's where he sort of learnt those those skills, I guess, and um, that's how he, you know, saw what, what could, could be done and we didn't get paid for the first couple of things that we did. So we, you know, we didn't have to pay for our ticket. So we got tickets, but I don't think we got paid. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, we were just doing it like that for quite a while. And it was just kind of where we could get into an event with, cause you know, we were working as well, working in uni. So it wasn't, it wasn't our, our job at that point. Um, after we, We'd both gone overseas and came back and started doing it again. I guess we're putting in applications through the festivals. We put an application in with Rabbit's Eat Lettuce and got accepted for a, a climbing structure that was, you know, pretty, pretty adventurous, pretty outrageous. Um, yeah, and then we, we've done every rabbit since. That was sort of eight years ago nine nine years ago now so yeah i guess once you get get your foot in once you do something then you get to know the people and most of the people that put on these festivals are really approachable and um if you're honest and upfront and all that sort of stuff then it's yeah you just kind of keep going keep building nice nice amazing well is there anything else that you would love to share whilst you've got the mic um, no, I think just, uh, yeah, th thanks for, thanks for having me and thanks for promoting festivals. I think it's, it's great and sustainability. Um, if anybody yeah. wanted to get involved in any of the workshops or anything like that, how might they be able to connect and learn more about them? Yeah, we've got, um, Facebook page for Lucid Space and our architecture natural building companies called Integrated Biotecture and we've got another business making compressed earth blocks called MudTech. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've got Facebook pages and websites for all of those. I'll, uh, I'll pass on those details and we'll yeah, um, get them all linked up. Yeah, we'll, we'll generally post if we, uh, we have a, a crew page for the Lucid Space. So if you're interested in, in volunteering, be on our crew hit us up and we'll add you to that page and then everything every event that we have coming up we post it on there and um anyone that's can can come or interested they'll let us know and then we kind of compile the crew crew list from that nice that's a great way for people to be able to activate off the back of this conversation if they're like 
I want to learn more about bamboo and I like festivals and I'm about what you've been chatting about. So, <laughs> yeah. And then we, we also do that. Well, not with the group, but we'll on our website for integrated biotechture when we have any earth building workshops, we'll post it on there. And um, yeah, and then we kind of compile a mailing list. So people that have come to previous ones will get emailed for upcoming events and and you can kind of get locked into that, that natural building world as well, which is um, a good one, good little nice. realm to be is involved that, is in. Is that mainly like houses that people are about, like building with those sorts of bricks? Because obviously I'm imagining you can't go, can you go really big with structures? I don't know much about it. Uh, yeah, they're ge- generally houses, yeah. Well, I, our blocks can get used for, for lots of things. Um, you probably couldn't do a skyscraper with them, but um... <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. One day. <laughs> one day. One day there'll be a yeah. wood brick skyscraper. Amazing. Is yeah. there? Before we go, actually, is there any yeah. future dreams? Obviously, I know you've mentioned you would love to do some building abroad. Is there anything else that you're like? This is where I want to take any of the businesses that you're working on. Uh, I, I just think we just kind of want to keep progressing and uh keep keep pushing the boundaries and keep building keep designing uh keep changing the world make it a better place (laughs) great sentiments great sentiments to end on well again thank you so much for giving up your time to chat um obviously the work that you're doing is really great for the planet as well as allowing people to enjoy the artistry of festivals but yeah thanks so much for coming on and having a chat yeah thanks for having me it's been great that's a wrap (laughs) great (laughs) thanks for tuning in to creative connectors hopefully you enjoyed the chat if so please subscribe share with friends support the community and tune into the next one